Welcome to Scale School, my friends. I'm Dan Bolton, and my purpose here is simple. I wanna help you increase the scalability of your coaching or consulting business so as it gets bigger, life gets better. Here we will be talking everything from getting clients, keeping clients, teams, leadership, but most importantly, making scaling simple and fun again. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you get a ton out of today's episode. One of the best pulls of leads is past clients. So I would, I would, um, not that this is a competition, but in terms of, I would just say I'm really good at keeping relationships good. Like when people finish, I, I have nothing but good feelings towards people outside of the really big red flag clients that I'm excited to get rid of out of my world that were just horrible, which are honestly like, 1%. That's happened a handful of times. But I just really focus on maintaining relationships. And so the amount of new clients that are actually old clients that are returning six weeks down the track, six months down the track, two years down the track is a lot in terms of people who join the community in one-to-one. And so I'll just say like, that's such an underrated skill to keep your relationships good with past clients, right? Because if you can do that, you increase your lifetime value, increase the likelihood that they are going to want to work with you again. Um, because they've already paid you money. It's much easier to get someone to pay you another dollar when they've already paid you a dollar to begin with. And so I'd just say for all of you here, you should always be trying to maintain the relationships that you have with the people that you've worked with in any capacity, in any business, at any point. Because it's just such an unbelievably um, potent group of people. So much possibility and opportunity there. If you've got a question, unmute. And we form like a line and we kind of know kind of what order to go in. So it's not randomly talking over each other. But if you've got a question, unmute and uh, let's jam. Yeah, I'll go a quick one if no one else is going to jump in. Yeah, jump in. Yeah, yeah. I didn't so... realize everyone just came to look at my face today. I know, Great I news. have that all the time. I'm like, <laughs> hi guys, this is your session. Like anyone got a question or we're we just going to sit here in silence? Yeah, this um... might be the first and last European call I do. <laughs> <laughs> let's make sure that doesn't happen, guys. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, sorry, I've not got my camera on. I'm just eating breakfast and on my phone. Um, my question is about done for you, right? So one of the things that I've noticed over the past six or seven years is like the number one problem that every single one of our clients has is getting leads consistently. And typically with agencies, as you probably know, Dan, it's mainly like word of mouth, referrals, people coming through the website, et cetera, et cetera, which is like its own problem. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking to myself, if we could just solve that problem for people, then everything else that we do and teach would be like 10 times more impactful. And so I just wanted to sense check because I know you're someone who has a lot of experience in this field. Mm -hmm. Is it a distraction to think, right, I'm going to go and partner with some kind of lead gen agency to help people solve that problem and then coach them around everything else around sales and offer and Etc. It's not, it's not as black and white as, is it a good idea or a bad idea? It's considerations, right? So yeah. I really love this from $100 million offers. This was definitely my experience. Cool. So we've got two spectrums here. And what's really important to understand is it's not as black and white as if something is hard to sell, it's easy to deliver and vice versa. But this is typically where, where you think about. Here is where agencies live. Agencies, if they can get lead flow, it's actually really easy to sell people and we're going to do it all for you, right? So I, uh, I buy the way that I sell. I do not buy via sales calls ever, 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 ever these days. So I just sign up uh, $5,500 a month to a content agency who does our YouTube editing now and short forms and they've been amazing. So it was just back and forth Instagram messenger. And basically this agency like edits it all and 
if we want to, that can help us with strategy around content and all that kind of stuff. So it's like easy for me to buy into that because I understand the value proposition because they have to actually do the work. On the opposite side is like a course, right? Where it's like, it can be harder to sell, but easy to deliver because there's none of you that's required whatsoever, right? Does this make sense so far? Just the simplicity of this yeah, model? For me, so it does, firstly, yeah. it's about understanding where you, where you actually enjoy solving problems. If you simplified it, you can create a business that's either harder on acquisition, so you need to be better at marketing, or harder on delivery. I really like living down this end of the spectrum because I would way rather spend a lot of time just creating great marketing that makes it easy easier for me to sell my easy to deliver offer. So if I can just if I can market really substantially and I can get a lot of leads, it means that even though it's harder to sell like a program that has no one-to-one, I'm going to get a lot of people through because my lead volume is going to be really high. The other spectrum I really like thinking about is it is a spectrum not a binary, right? We think about in terms of done for you, do it yourself and done with you. And so whenever you're looking to make program upgrades, it's about understanding it's not a binary, it is a spectrum. And what we want to do is figure out where do we, where, which way are we trying to move, right? So let's just say right now you are helping me with lead gen and it's all course material, right? So you've just got content. The next, And this could be a training on like, here's how to generate leads. The next layer of this is not just we do it for you, right? It could be an iteration. So the iteration could be templates, scripts, plug and play funnels, play funnels, uh, sales call reviews, uh, setting scripts, like uh, reviews. Like there's so many different things that you could do through a coaching and content standpoint where you're working hard once, but it is true done with you. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Are there any other yeah. examples? Because I've tried like template scripts and stuff before, but people just literally copy it word for word and it, and it doesn't work, basically. It'll, it'll to <laughs> that'll totally happen, right? You need to yeah. teach people the principles and the strategies and then as much as they can hear it, say this is to adopt and adapt to your business, right? Different markets, different methods, different offers, different niches. People are going to listen and people are not going to listen. So there are going to be people who read $100 million offers uh, or $100 million leads and just copy everything word for word and forget the fact that Hormozzi is like, you have a different market. So here's an example from the health and weight loss market as an example, but you should not copy and paste this one because you probably have a different offer. You have, have a different business. So one of the things that I've been thinking about, and I'm tentative, tentatively saying this because I'm in no way committing to this, is I'm really thinking about how do I increase the value of community to such where I could charge $30,000 a year for it, but not add in all the complexity I've done for you. So the current thought process that I'm thinking through is that in the same way I have a content manager for marketing, I might bring on a content manager for curriculum. And their job is to take everything I teach and to create SOPs and templates and swipe files and basically become a white labeled coaching business where you can use everything that we have and you can basically throw your brand on it and put it out to the world. The next layer that I might consider doing is actually white labeling, white labeling it to the point where you can take what we have and use it to teach your client. So if you're a part of the community, you have full, and again, this is what I'm the idea I'm playing with. You have full permission to use all of our resources and trainings and templates and tools, not just for your own business, 
but for all of your clients as well, because we obviously primarily work with a lot of business coaches. And so if Rob, who's working with personal trainers, can take everything we're doing and then plug and play that not only into his own business, but into the teaching and training he gives his clients, the value of what we give goes way up. Can you, can you guys see how that would be valuable for, for like the community? If I was like everything we have, you can use and you can use it for clients. But what I love about that model is it doesn't require me to do things for people. It requires me to have upfront work that someone else is doing that then becomes really scalable and leveraged, but has a high impact for every single person in the community. So that would be an example of a thought process and a thought exercise you can do with your community is going, okay, the end result that you want to have is you want to have empowered clients who can close the gap between learning and implementation. So the gap between learning and implementation with just a module going, hey, you should think about content and here's how to think about it and here are the principles. The gap between learning and implementation for that can be long because now they have to go and put the content calendar together and things like that. So the next layer is here is a content calendar with all of the prompts. The next layer is here are all the swipe files. The next layer is here are all the templates for cash campaigns. The next layer is here are all the funnels you need. Here's all the emails you need. All of those types of things. And so there's a spectrum that you can move along to do more hard work but that is not just as black and white as are we going to do it all for people or are we just going to give them a module to teach them how to do it themselves? You can move along that spectrum of working harder in delivery to make the um, journey of the client easier, which also then makes the sale easier because you can say, hey, the moment you sign up, you get all of our scripts, all of our templates, all of our tools that you can implement for yourself and clients. So with you teaching creative agencies, Matt, it's like you could go to the, yeah, AI is obviously a huge, huge uh, point here, right? So you could go to the nth degree of giving people everything they could possibly need. And then maybe you have a call where they have done some of the work of making the setting scripts their own, making the offer their own, making the marketing their own, where you could then review it, right? So rather than you having to do it for people, you can create a, a, a closed loop where people come back and basically go, here is the work that I've done, but I'm insecure about it. Like most people are. I don't know if this is going to work. Can you just give me the final look over before I start sending out these scripts before I start presenting this offer? So that's an example of how you can be thinking about improving your offer and making it easier for clients to win without having to become an agency. Makes total sense, man. And have you ever, just a quick question, follow-up question, if that's all right. Like, um, have you ever thought about things like, so white labeling automation software, would that mm -hmm. fit in the kind of done with you or is that going 100%. more to the... Yeah. So, so yeah. software is an interesting one because it's it's harder to manage than most people think. They need like a dedicated team member, depending on the size of clients, amount of clients. They need a dedicated team member to manage that software off, right? You, you, because something in, so let's say you're using Go High Level. Go High Level breaks. Who are they going to reach out to? Well, oftentimes they don't reach out directly to Go High Level. They reach out to you. Hey, like, so, you know, I had a client yesterday who was struggling with like Facebook locking them out of jail, uh, putting them in Facebook Messenger jail. And they haven't done anything around that. Uh, before. And so that, I was the first person they were reaching out to, right? They were a one-to-one -one client. They were like, oh my gosh, I've got so many leads. What do I do? I'm like, I, we've just brought an appointment center on. This is crazy. Facebook is not my platform. I don't control whether or not people get locked out or not, but I just need, I just giving them the best tools that I can to kind of deal with the fact that they're locked out. And so adding on a software makes it easier to sell, makes it harder to deliver. But again, it's different than becoming an agency. Adding on an agency service is not a bad decision. It's just a big decision. It's not something you want to take on lightly. So you want to be thinking about everything like a spectrum, which is if this is easy to deliver and harder to sell, and this is harder to deliver and easier to sell, how can we move along the spectrum of getting clients to win faster and making it easier to sell 
without creating a business we hate running. Because the moment you start adding in stuff that now all of a sudden you're having to manage a uh, ads agency within your business, even if it's a partnership, you all of a sudden are probably doing things you don't want to be doing. And that's a really sticky situation to be in where you're like, I got into this whole coaching game because I wanted freedom and fun and profit. And now like profit margins are being hurt because we're paying out these people and all of these complexities being added and clients are unhappy and all these different things. So you want to find the sweet spot where you are still happy with the business model that you have, but clients are getting the best results that they can, which is why I'm entertaining this idea of bringing on like a content manager for clients to help me increase all these things without me having to add in this whole other agency piece, this done for you piece, this one-to-one coaching piece for people who don't are just in the community, if that makes sense. Is that helpful, bro? I know I'm, I'm getting chats from you. You said massively valuable. Thank you. Great shift in thinking. Just want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, massively. I think like a really good um, framework is to literally sit down and do what you said earlier, like, you know, beach club somewhere, somewhere you're not just distracted and just like work the, that model to death and just come mm-hmm. up with like hundreds of ideas. Like how do we increase the value so people get the results, but there's that it's like way easy to deliver or there's no extra delivery. I think that exercise alone could, could be a game changer. Another way to think about it is how can I front load the work, right? So bringing on an agency is you now committing to a standard level of work that's now just a part of your offer forever. But what if you worked hard once? Meaning like, what if you spent a month and got a contractor and put together SOPs and templates and scripts and you know plug and play funnels that added massive value to your audience, uh, sorry, your clients, but without you having to drastically change your business model? Those are the kinds of questions I really like playing around with is I would rather work on a project and make it harder in the short term for me by having to do all this work or getting someone else to do the work, then radically changing my business model forever. Yeah, so like work once, deliver infinitely. Yeah, (laughs) that's a great way to put it. Next questions, guys. If you don't have questions, another way to think about it is what problems or challenges am I trying to face right now that would be helpful to have Dan weigh in on? So you might not have come preloaded with a specific question, but you can at least brain dump some of the challenges you're facing and I can help you work through. And then um, I'll go, how you, I, I was writing you about like getting a lot of new clients now and managing like onboarding and everything. Um, however, there is like m- massive uh, increase in number of questions and everything. So how do you keep it organized more like from your side? Um, how you reply when you reply? Um, do you, I, I try to do it like two times per day, morning, evening. Um, but it's always like when you get in the in the chat, it's always back and forth, back and forth. So, um, do you have any advice how you managing better, like um, answering those those questions and everything? Yeah. So, so think? when you say chat, is that your primary way you're supporting clients, or is that just how clients are reaching out? Like, do you have a school group? Do you have a Slack channel? Yeah, I have like let's say something like school. I have my own app where is like all materials and also group support and also for clients who have one-on-one, they have direct messages with me there. So um, it's actually the, the almost same thing like school. So um, th- there is like now questions in the group, questions in DMs, and I have my like premium clients who have like WhatsApp access and yeah. that's but their priority for, for reply. So yeah. how would you like put some limits or, or structure around that? Yeah. And so is the majority of your requests that are coming through DMs from people who have paid to reach out to you in DMs? Or is it people who are in the community that are reaching out in the DMs? Yeah, there, there, there is everything happening. <laughs> Lots of people in community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they're coming in. So where to start, how to start, you know, they, they have mo- most questions at the start so i know two first two three weeks they have most questions 
Um, so should I maybe also think about, okay, how I let clients in on a monthly basis? Should I have like maybe period, okay, we start this and then I try two weeks promote and then I get another group. So I just avoid this like now it's probably 20 new people yeah, inside. So yeah, I'll, spe- I'll speak to crazy. that first and then I'll talk talk about the kind of overall onboarding and things like that. So that's an interesting concept and one that I'm personally playing with uh, in my business. I think what I'm going to try for two months and please don't do this without seriously considering what the implications might be for your business is I think I'm going to open the community two days a month. And basically what will happen is I will just spend three weeks just from uh, giving value, sharing case studies here and there. People who reach out in those three three weeks or three and a half weeks where I'm not taking on uh, clients and not doing intakes, I will get people to secure uh, their spot with a deposit. But one of the pieces of magic that I'm trying to preserve is there was a real sense of connection with all of the people who joined the community on day one, right? All of the people that were like the influx of the, the 25 people, I think that started on day one, those people have connected at a deeper level than people who have joined after the fact. doesn't mean those people don't have connection. It's just different. So one of the things I'm considering in my business is uh, once a month opening up the community. It also means I don't have to focus on marketing and sales for most of the month. And then I can just go really intense. Like, you know, we did a, a, a give post a couple of days ago that got over 350 leads, but that would be the perfect thing to do right before I open the community. It's an overwhelming thing to do on just a random week like I did this week where the give post got way more traction than I ever thought it was going to. And so that's a consideration to make. And so one of the things that I would do if I was to move towards just opening once a month is I would then go from one-to-one onboarding calls to group onboarding calls, where we basically all jump on a call for that first onboarding. And then I walk through kind of like the, here's what the community is, here's the best ways to get support. And I ask some questions that people are starting out at. So that's just a consideration to think about. Four places where you really set expectations that are so important is marketing, sales, onboarding, and delivery. So whenever you end up with quote unquote bad client behavior or bad clients, there are obviously a small percentage of people that are just bad clients that have red flags from the start. And we're in the relationship with them when we're like, why did we ever let this person in? Right. That's a small percentage. My belief is a lot of clients come to us neutral and we actually train the behaviors of how to become a good client. And so what we tolerate, we get, and what's rewarded gets repeated. And so in marketing and sales, it's so important that we market to values, not just to problems, because if we're only marketing to problems and solutions, we can attract people who are a right fit qualification wise, but aren't the right fit to work with us because they want more than what we're offering, or they want what we're offering in a slightly different package, right? They want the the group offer that Peter put out, but then they also want one-to-one access to Peter because that's what they got the last time around, right? Whatever it is, marketing and sales weeds the wrong people out and should attract the right people. So that's marketing and sales. It's so important to get really clear on those pieces because otherwise we end up with a program filled with people that are different to us, want different things, have different values, and it's really uncomfortable. Onboarding is such a crucial training ground to teach people how to become a great client, Right. So those first few modules in those first few days are so crucial to train the right behaviors. And other, another way to say to train the right behaviors is this is what it looks like to win here. And so there are two parts of onboarding that are really crucial. The first part is I give everyone an onboarding funnel. That is the, the first 90 minutes of they've just signed up. Here is what you're going to do. And so literally it's like join the school group, sign the contract, 
add these calls in your calendar, all of those key pieces, right? The next part of onboarding is the, the first few modules in our curriculum in school. So when they join school, there is the onboarding section that literally goes, and I think the first module is called the road ahead. The second module is new era ethos. The third one is implementation pathways. And the fourth one is money math, where I talk about the importance of KPIs. People have to go through those four things. And if they don't, they don't get support. They have to go through those four things. And that's emphasized in the onboarding funnel because that's how they learn how to get the best results. So for example, for you, one of your onboarding modules needs to show people what they do when they are not clear on what to do. And you can literally say, if you DM me privately, I love you, I appreciate you, I'm in your corner, but I won't be able to respond because I have so many conversations in my DMs, you will be missed, right? The best way to get help is to reach out in the school group and post the question or challenge that you're facing because not only will you get my help, but you will also be able to get the amazing support from the peers around you that are much smarter than me in different areas, right? So in those first few modules, you're training the client behaviors that you want to see repeated. And when you have people come in and they're not displaying those things, you can simply point them back to those modules and those best ways to get support as the standard of what it looks like to succeed in our community. Does that make sense? So I'm thinking then, I like this, what you said to to open the, like for two days or something, but I, that because it was happening, I was in the middle of sale and then people coming in and now, okay, where I start, because they're like, I started now getting the materials and everything. And now they won't start immediately, of course, but this way, I think I could avoid that because we can like, I can promote, I can sell, but tell, okay, we start on that date. You will get X that date on, and mm -hmm. then I can do group group onboarding with everyone who came in that yep. period. And by the way, I'm not saying this is what you have to do, but but it's something to consider. You might even have two intakes a month or something like that, where it, maybe mm -hmm. it's not even two intakes, but it's two group onboarding calls where it's like they might've joined a week and a half yeah. ago, but there's that group onboarding call. The fourth pillar I haven't talked to that I want to mention. So I talked about marketing, sales, onboarding, and delivery. And delivery is where culture is shaped, right? So culture is established through marketing, sales, and onboarding. Culture is defended in delivery. So someone's gone through the modules, you've done all the right things in terms of setting the standards, and then they go against the standards you've set. That first interaction where they DM you is crucial to establishing the culture or letting it slip. So you've gone through the, the mod, they've gone through the modules and they are clear on the best way to get a hold of me is through school or the app or whatever it is. And now they've sent you a message and they're asking you privately for help. How you respond, whether or not you respond, shapes the culture or you slip or the culture slips. So for example, if someone sends me a win privately, I'm like, amazing, you're an incredible human. This is amazing. Then my next my next line is always the same. Please do me a favor and share this in the community, right? Because I'm trying to establish that culture that like you are not in a program just with me and me and you. There is a community that we want to continue to establish. The second thing is if someone asks me a question, the same, the same thing applies, the same tool applies. Someone asks me a question, I go, great question. So um, one of the key marketing things that most people don't do a great job of is articulating the cost of an action. So we're typically, if we're getting clients somewhat consistently, it's because we're focusing on the return on investment. You're a coach who wants to scale and we're going to take you from 10 to 50K a month, whatever it might be, right? That's a good hook. What we have to get better at is articulating the cost of an action. So there's great ways to, to like great tools to articulate cost of an action with price increases because that's really straightforward. If you don't join now when it's the cheapest it'll ever be in 
are weak, it will be more expensive. We have a limited time bonus. If you don't join now, then the cost of an action is really straightforward and clear. What we have to get better at is articulating the cost of an action for people outside of a cash campaign. So what, what is at stake for them if they do not take action and solve this problem now? If we just forget our program for a second, if they don't take action and actually do something about the pain that they're facing, what is actually at stake for them? So Harry, I'm going to uh, get you on mute again if you are able to unmute. What are some of the things that come to mind for you as things that are cost of an action pieces for people if they don't solve this for them now? Um, well, I'd say a lot of it is miss, missed opportunity um, in terms of, you know, whether they're underpricing, you know, because mm -hmm. they can raise their prices tomorrow and be able to get, you know, close the same amount of clients at a higher price point. So there's that financial missed opportunity <clears throat> of, of the pricing aspect. Obviously, they're getting leads and stuff as well. And I'd say that's probably the, the initial one I can think of or, or the immediate short-term uh, cost of inaction i think long term if i just think about people who who i know who have like not moved forward and then i you know reach out to them six months later they're you know still in the same position well I i'm guessing now obviously it's, it's the longer term you know do you want to have that i don't know regret of not taking action because i've had people wait six months let's say to join they join, get results in a few weeks, and they're like, you know, like I, I regret not moving forward six months right. ago, basically. Totally. Um, but I don't know how to be able to explain it without sounding, you know, without coming across the wrong way. Basically, I don't want to say to someone, you know, you're going to regret if you don't do it. You know, it, it, that's, that's, <laughs> oh, you're not going to work with me today. You're going to regret this. You're going to be lying yeah. <laughs> and going, I wish I signed up with Harry. Yeah. Um, um, okay. But, you know, so, so, but yeah, so how to explain that? And obviously, not saying necessarily, you know, it's going to be a bad decision not choosing to work with me but just in general like someone needs to invest in themselves how to just make it clear that yeah that, that would be the best thing for them regardless of whether that's with me or, or someone else so when you're articulating the cost of an action in your marketing the the not having the roi is the clear piece right and that's important to talk about if you don't take action now like like the frame that i i love i someone said this to homozi right um and it was like how much does it cost you to not know how to make a million dollars a year, a million dollars a year, right? It's it's called ignorance tax, right? And that's one way to look at it is really simply like there is the cost of an action of like, if you don't invest in yourself, you don't raise your price, if you, you don't choose a better model, you're not going to be making the money that you want to be making. But let's go even further than that. Why else are people in business? Well, there's an impact and purpose pillar for a lot of people. A lot of people are in the coaching game, for example, because they want to make a difference in the lives of other people. So not only are you not having the positive impact or, or you're not experiencing all that you want to experience in your own business, you're actually shortchanging other people by playing small, by not working with more people, by not charging what you're worth, by not putting yourself out there. There is an impact piece that you are holding back, uh, you, you are being held back by that's actually causing you to not live out your calling fully. Let's look at the emotional piece. What does it cost someone to live in a state of stress longer than they need to? Cost them joy, cost them time with their family, it costs them their health, cost them their time, right? There are so many elements that we need to look at. If you if you think about the benefits of working with us and we write out all of those things, and I've shared this framework before, it's from a guy called Todd Brown, right? Whenever we're talking about our offer in marketing and in sales, we want to think at three levels, functional, experiential, emotional. Functional is this is the thing I will give you. Experiential is, this is how it works. Emotional is, this is how you will feel when it's working well, okay? So functional, I'm going to teach you how to get an appointment setter. Experiential, so you wake up to qualified sales calls in your calendar. Emotional, so you never have to feel stressed and worry about where your next client is coming from, right? So that's on the positive side. 
if we think about on the other side, what, what is the negative side? What's the cost of an action of functional, experiential, emotional of the opposite of that? Experiential, if you don't hire an appointment sitter, the experience is you're not going to have enough calls with the right people and you're going to have to spend all day in the DM. Emotional, you're going to feel like you're never living up to your potential and you're always chasing your tail and you're having to spend way more time in your phone, which is causing you anxiety, stress, and overwhelm. So rather than getting to work on your business, which you aspire to do, you have to live in the state of working in your business. So if you go through your whole offer and you figure out the positive side of functional, experiential, emotional, and then you flip side it and you think about the negatives of if they don't have this functional piece, what's their experience and what's the emotional cost? you actually start to get better at articulating the cost of an action. Does that piece resonate with you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's um, that, that's really, really useful, actually. Just to mm. to clarify that then. So functional is what you're giving. For example, like you said, you're, you're helping, you're giving someone a, a sound script, let's say, right? So that's mm -hmm. like functional, literally what you're giving. Experiential is then the, the experience they get from that. So by having a sound script, they're able to close more clients, increase their conversions, Blah, blah, so yeah. on. Well, and so, sorry, not just, not just that. That's a benefit. Fun like experiential is what does it look like when it's implemented? Does that make sense? So, so functional is like, here's the sales script so that you can. It's like a nice benefit. The experiential yeah. is get them to picture it. What does this actually look like once this is functioning? So, you, so now you show up to every sales call confident that you know exactly what to say and how to say it. And now you're free to enjoy yourself on the call rather than fretting about every other word that's coming out of your mouth. Yeah. So with and, and experiential is getting them to picture what that looks like when it's working. And then emotional yes. is how do they feel once it's working? Got it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Perfect. Yeah. So the opposite of those things is the cost of an action. Yeah. Right. So let's say you help people make more money, have more free time and have a greater impact, right? Functional, experiential, emotional, what are the positive sides of that? What does that look like on a practical level? Cost of an action, what will that feel like if they don't change those things in their business? And this yeah. is where a lot of business coaches go wrong is all we talk about is money. And so the only thing people can equate is if I work with Harry, there's a chance, because it's not guaranteed, there's a chance I might make more money. If I don't work with Harry, I might make less money, but at least I can maybe figure it out on my own, right? Mm. So what we have to do is take a more holistic marketing approach to help people understand the emotional costs of what happens if they don't solve these problems in their business. So if someone yeah. has been gaining weight at a kilo every three months for the last year, let's extrapolate that. What's the cost of an action? You continue to gain weight. What's, the, what's another way to look at that? You might become the heaviest you've ever become. What happens when you become the heaviest you've become? You now have less time and energy for the things you love. You've got less time and energy for the people you love. You feel worse. Your mobility goes down. Your sleep goes down. Your self-confidence goes down. There are so many elements of cost of an action of not dealing with a weight loss problem. Rather than just, you might get fatter. We need to paint the picture of what this looks like. And it's not doomsday. It's not like making people feel terrible. It's about articulating why this is such a painful problem to begin with. That, yeah, 100%. That really makes sense. Do you have any um, examples of content? <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you have any examples of like, content you could share? So obviously not right now. You might just find it, but that covers the the cost of inaction. Yeah, that's a great point. I would I would say it's not a style of content or even a line in a piece of content. It's the way in which you frame it. So for example, yeah. in the cash, I just dropped a video today on cash campaigns and it's doing really well. I think we're at, um, let me just have a look at the stats right now. It is at, so we're at like 750 views, I think it is what it's at right? In, in 15 hours. So it's resonating a lot. Is here is a strategy to help you get more clients, right? 
If you don't have a strategy like this, you're going to get clients inconsistently and unpredictably, and it's going to be really hard to stay consistent with your growth goals that you want to reach to build the business that you want to build. So it's not about articulating, like if you think about a quadrant for a second, this is maybe another way to say this. I, I learned this years ago from um, Taki Moore, right? Wants, fears, uh, sorry, no, wants, aspirations, frustrations, and fears. Okay marketing focuses on the top. Great marketing draws people in to understand the bottom. So the want is not just, I'm going to give you more leads, right? That's what people want. What's the aspiration? A lead getting, client getting machine on autopilot, consistent, predictable, waking up to Stripe payments, freaking easy as. What's the frustration? The frustration is uh, if I don't post content and spend hours in the DMs every day, I don't get calls. The fear is if I don't figure this thing out, I might burn out, which means I might actually inevitably have to shut my business down. So what we have to do is get really good at articulating these next pieces at the bottom. What are people aspiring to do? Not just beyond the want that they're looking to solve now, but the aspiration of where they want to go. And what is the fear that if they don't solve this, will inevitably take place in their business? or their life, whatever it is we coach people on. And when we can articulate it at an emotional level, that's really where we start to get into this cost of an action piece because people can picture how they feel now and how they might feel in the future if they don't solve this. That's really what I'm talking about on a practical level is using content as a way to speak to aspirations and fears, not just the surface level of wants and frustrations. Cool. Helpful, brother? Yeah, extremely. Yeah, that's given me a lot of ideas. So I'm going to brainstorm on that today and... Yeah, see what I can do with it. Yeah. Thank you. This is also why video content is so powerful because it's hard to knock all this up in one Instagram story. Yeah. Right? But it's yeah. much easier to convey the power of emotion through talking, through communicating. Obviously, you can do this through copywriting. Great copywriters do this all the time. But that's why I love the video medium and audio because you can convey the emotion and speak to people's hearts and souls much easier than just whipping up a quick Instagram story with a case study. Yeah, 100%. I'm looking at getting back into YouTube and stuff anyway to do some longer form. I did do a video yesterday, actually. I saw that. So, um, Shout out. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, so, so definitely going to get back into that. Try and do maybe one a week at least to begin with, um, or even more. But but yeah, so yeah, all good. Dude, I think you can do more. And the reason I say that is right now, I have a camera that is filming this call. And so they'll take the best snippets of this call of what I said and turn it into a piece of content. So if you think about it for coaches, we're creating content all the time. Good old Gary V told us freaking millennia ago, document don't create. But then all of a sudden we just ignored that advice and, and thought think now that a video piece of content has to look like us sitting down, scripting something out and making it look and feel amazing. When in reality, it's also one of the best ways to give people a taste of what it looks like to work with us by literally sharing a clip of us working with people who are paying us so they get a picture of what it would look like when they, when they do pay us and what that would feel like and what that experience would be like. So I would say look for ways to document what you're already doing as well and share snippets of that. And that's where I think your volume can go up. Like we're about two weeks away from hitting four YouTube videos a week. And two of those are going to be me actually creating videos and two of those will just be like documented videos like this. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, you're, you're right. There's a lot there that I can document um, with coaching calls and stuff. So 
coaching calls, sales calls, all of it. Anytime you are on a call or on camera, think of how can I turn this into a piece of content? And so if you guys want to see um, more of these calls, I'm super happy to do them. Only if the demand is there. If you guys are down, then I'll let you know. All right. Peace, everybody. Catch you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Scale School. I hope you found something valuable in today's episode. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do that so you can be notified every time we drop future episodes. And if you and I have not already connected, feel free to track me down on any one of the social media platforms. My big head and smiling face are no doubt going to be there. And you can just search my name, Dan Bolton, and we can connect there. But thank you again for tuning in and I'll see you in a future episode.